Male Parental Investment, or MPI. As mentioned above, underlying each of these theories, as well as evolutionary theory in general, is the notion that life can be conceptualized in terms of economics and game theory. The objective of the game is to send your genetic code into the future by producing the maximum possible number of offspring who survive and reproduce. Whether or not this dispersal leads to happiness is irrelevant. In his best-selling survey of evolutionary psychology, the moral animal, Robert Wright, puts it succinctly, saying, quote, we are built to be effective animals, not happy ones. Of course, we are designed to pursue happiness and the attainment of Darwinian goals, sex, status, and so on, often brings happiness, at least for a while. Still, the frequent absence of happiness is what keeps us pursuing it, and thus makes us productive. Unquote. This is a curious notion of productivity, at once overtly political and yet presented innocently enough, as if there were only one possible meaning of quote-unquote productivity. This perspective of life incorporates the Protestant work ethic that productivity is what makes an animal effective and echoes the Old Testament notion that life must be endured, not enjoyed. These assumptions are embedded throughout the literature of evolutionary psychology. Ethologist slash primatologist Franz de Waal, one of the more open-minded philosophers of human nature, calls this Calvinist sociobiology. The female interest in quality over quantity is thought to be important in two respects. First, she would clearly be interested in conceiving a child with a healthy man so as to maximize the odds that her child would survive and prosper. Quote, Women's reproductive resources are precious and finite, and ancestral women did not squander them on just any random man, writes evolutionary psychologist David Buss. Obviously, women don't consciously think that sperm are cheap and eggs are expensive, Buss continues. But women in the past who failed to exercise acumen before consenting to sex were left in the evolutionary dust. Our ancestral mothers used emotional wisdom to screen out losers. Unquote. Bus doesn't explain why there are still so many quote-unquote losers in the game gene pool today if their ancestors were subject to such careful screening for thousands of generations. While a substantial amount of female parental investment is biologically unavoidable in our species, evolutionary theorists believe that Homo sapiens is uniquely high in male parental investment among primates. They argue that our high level of male parental investment forms the basis for the supposed 
universality of marriage. As Wright puts it, quote, in every human culture in the anthropological record, marriage is the norm and the family is the atom of social organization. Fathers everywhere feel love for their children. This love leads fathers to help feed and defend their children and teach them useful things. Unquote. Biologist Tim Burkhead agrees, writing, quote, The issue of paternity is at the core of much of men's behavior, and for good evolutionary reasons. In our primeval past, men who invested in children were which were not their own, would on average have left fewer descendants than those who reared only their own genetic offspring. As a consequence, men were and continue to be preoccupied with paternity. Unquote. For now, we'll briefly note a few of the question, questionable assumptions underlying this argument. Every culture is organized around marriage in the nuclear family. Human fathers that provided for only their own children would have left far more descendants than those less selective in their material generosity. Note how this presumes a discrete genetic basis for something as amorphous as, quote, preoccupation with paternity, unquote. In the ancestral environment, a man could know which children were biologically his, which presumes that he understands that one sex act can lead to a child, and he has 100% certainty of his partner's fidelity. A hunter could refuse to share his catch with other hungry people living in the close-knit band of foragers, including nieces, nephews, and children of lifelong friends, without being shamed, shunned, and banished from the community. So, According to the standard narrative, as male parental investment translates into advantages for that man's children, more food, protection, education, other kids be damned, women would have evolved to choose mates with access to more of these resources and whose behavior indicated that they would share these resources only with her and her children, indications of selective generosity fidelity, and sincerity. But according to this narrative, these two female objectives, good genes and access to male's resources, create conflictive situations for men and women, both within this relationship and with their same-sex competitors. Wright summarizes this understanding of the situation, quote, High male parental investment makes sexual selection work in two directions at once. Not only have males evolved to compete for scarce female eggs, females have evolved to compete for scarce male investment. Unquote. Mixed strategies in the war between the sexes. It's no accident that the man who famously observed that power is the greatest aphrodisiac was not by a long shot good-looking, often in what we might call the Kissinger effect. The men with the greatest access to resources and status lacked the genetic wealth, signified by physical attractiveness. What's the girl to do? 
Conventional theory suggests she'll marry a nice, rich, predictable, sincerely sincere guy likely to pay the mortgage, change the diapers, and take out the trash, but then cheat on him with wild, sexy, dangerous dudes, especially around the time she's ovulating, so she's more likely to have lover boys, baby, known as the mixed strategy in the scientific literature. Both males and females are said to employ their own version of the dark strategy in keeping with their opposed objectives in mating, females maximizing quality of mates, and males maximizing quantity of mating opportunities. It's a jungle out there. The best-known studies purporting to demonstrate the nature of these two differing strategies are those done by David Buss and his colleagues. Their hypothesis holds that if males and females have conflicting agendas concerning mating behavior, the differences could ap should appear in the ways males and females experience sexual jealousy. These researchers found that women were consistently more upset by thoughts of their mates' emotional infidelity, while men showed more anxiety concerning their mates' sexual fidelity. As the hypothesis predicts, 